So today we're going to speak on week two of the Holy Who. And uh, in week one, which by the way, you can get on our podcast, uh, these sermons all get loaded onto our uh, OSC app, Our Savior's Church, oscconnect.com or OSC Connect app. And you can go find last week's sermon uh, on there if you want to listen to it. But I'm going to give you a short like, little summary of what it was on. Because last week we spoke on who is the Holy Spirit. And this week we're going to speak on the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, but you'll remember last week, if you were here, that we said that, you know, the Holy Spirit really is um, uh, the third person in the Trinity. But the Holy Spirit has such an important role to play as part of the Trinity. And we said that the Holy Spirit performs the role of the COO. In other words, he's the guy that actually does the work and gets the work done. So the Father wills it. Jesus, Jesus like accomplished it. So that it's possible to happen in our lives, but it's actually the Holy Spirit that goes ahead and does the physical work in our lives to make changes happen. Did you all know that? We looked at four beginnings in Scripture, one being the creation, where you see the Bible reveals that the Spirit of God was actually the agency behind the power of God that enacted the creation to change form earth to get ready for to be able to inhabit human beings so you see the father who's through the word that he releases let there be light let this happen let the next happen the word gets released but it's actually the spirit of god that was hovering over the waters he was the entity of the trinity that was present on the physical form of the earth right there in the beginning and then you see in the beginning of Jesus' ministry it's actually the holy spirit who activates jesus ministry the Bible says when he was baptized, he came up. The Holy Spirit came and descended on him like a dove. And the very next thing you see is Jesus submits to the leadership of the Holy Spirit from there on. He gets led by the Holy Spirit from there on. And amazing how Jesus' ministry is initiated by the Holy Spirit. The beginning of the church, you know, the beginning of this, this amazing group of people called the body of Christ actually got initiated by the Holy Spirit. After Jesus' ascension, he says to the guys, look, don't go away yet. Just don't try and do anything yet. Just go to Jerusalem. Wait there because the Holy Spirit is going to come on you to give you power to do what you need to do. And, so, and then we see the Holy Spirit come on a group of believers who were obedient to Christ and waited on him. And the most beautiful thing happens. They start preaching the gospel in languages that could be understood by people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Just revealing from the get-go, from the very initiation of the church, God's desire to reach everybody, all nations, all ethnicities with the gospel. Isn't that amazing? I thought that was just, that was just crazy, right? And all through the Holy Spirit that started that. And then guess what we saw last week is the fourth thing that happens. The fourth beginning takes place is your relationship with Jesus Christ was actually initiated by the Holy Spirit. When you said yes to Jesus, when you come to that moment where you're like, man, am I going to be a follower of Christ? Am I going to give up the right to own and lead my own life and hand that over to Jesus and let him define me, let him say what goes and what doesn't? That moment, that was the Holy Spirit that led you to do that, that led you to bow your knee to Jesus and receive salvation for the very first time. Isn't that crazy? how the Holy Spirit have been involved in our lives from, from like the beginning and even the beginning of our relationship with Him. And so if you've ever 
um, made a decision to follow Jesus, you have been led by the Holy Spirit to that point. We can't even make that decision by our own power. Because the Bible says we're dead in our sins. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't come and empower us to say yes, we don't even, we're not even able to say yes to the grace that God is offering to us. And so the, 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 the power behind everything that happens in our lives is actually the Holy Spirit. And so many of us have been interacting with the Holy Spirit, receiving from the Holy Spirit, without us even knowing it necessarily. But it becomes important for us to know it because there's so much more that a believer needs to get from his interaction and his relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're doing this series. All right. So today I want to just treat some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. So but, uh, and our plan has been really to center us in Scripture. And so we look particularly at what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was the one who initiated the Holy Spirit. So I guess he gets to define you know, what the role of the Holy Spirit is going to be. He was the one who sent the Holy Spirit. You know? And so uh, if he says this is what the Holy Spirit is going to be about, then we're going to go, yes sir, that is what he's going to be about. We're not going to make it anything different. And we're going to allow the initiator, the one who willed it in the beginning, to define it. And so I want to speak to some things because often we make mistakes in, in, you know, in the body of Christ about the Holy Spirit. And that leads to hurt. It leads to people being confused. But it also leads to people just wanting nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And we don't want any of those two extremes to happen. We want to center ourselves in Scripture so that we gain all the fullness of what God meant for us to get in a relationship with Him. Is anybody with me? Come on now, who wants to have a real deep interaction with God and really um, desires to grow more in in, in their relationship with Jesus Christ? This is why the Holy Spirit came. And let's, let's get into some of this. So one of the mistakes people make about the Holy Spirit is thinking that it makes them become more mature as Christians. The Holy Spirit does not make you that being filled with the Holy Spirit does not automatically make you more mature as the Christian next to you who haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's why I say that. I say that because you can get to know Jesus today, like you can put your hand up and say, yes, I'm ready to start following Christ and submit my life to Him. And then in that very moment, you can be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. That means you've just been born as a Christian. You're literally filled. Right, you just got born again, what the Bible talks about, being born again as a child of God. You can do that right now and be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Which means that the Holy Spirit is not necessarily given to those who are more mature than others. Or does not in a moment of infilling make you more mature than other people. In fact, the Bible's standard of maturity is more about reproduction than it is about operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture do you see maturity being, um, being kind of explained within the realm of walking and, 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 and working and letting the Holy Spirit use you. But you do see it when Jesus says, okay, good, we need to make disciples. You need to reproduce yourself in other people. It is as you start walking a journey of responsibility and walking with other people to help them grow up in their relationship with Jesus Christ, make better decisions, and become more like Him in life, that's when you become more mature as a Christian. When it's no longer just about you and your own growth, but when your life becomes about other people's growth and you start 
intentionally wanting to help other Christians grow up in their Christianity, grow up as children of God, that's when, you're, that's when you become mature as a child of God. It's, it's, it's almost the same thing as if you talk about, you know, just becoming a father, becoming, uh, you know, uh, having a child and the difference between having a child and being a father. You know, you can have a child by accident, but you cannot be a father by accident. Because fatherhood is intentional. It's investment. It is responsibility that you take up to make sure that the child grows up into the image and the likeness that you desire for him and that God desires for him. Right? So if there's any dads around you, you'll know that it takes investment. It takes energy. It takes effort to grow kids. You know? Now, they can do that on their own because they're human beings and they'll grow up. But, you know, part of what we see in society it's because kids grew up without dads showing them how to do things and what not to do and what is right and what is wrong. And so it becomes necessary for us as fathers to walk a journey of investing, intentional investment in our children. Now, if you did not grow up with a dad, that's why it is so awesome that our God is a father. And he can fill that place and he can help you grow into that. Um, but it is better if you have two. <laughs> if you have an earth dad that shows you how the heaven dad is and a heaven dad that confirms and helps your earth dad to be a better dad. Because how many of you fathers know we need help, man? Oh my goodness, I need help to be a, a good dad. And, uh, um, but it's the same thing with Christianity. You're not just automatically a mature Christian because now all of a sudden you learn how to hear the voice of God and you can prophesy to people. No. You become a mature Christian when you start investing your life in other people and you help other people and you help disciple other people. The second thing we think is that, you know, it, just, it makes me a better than you Christian. You know, I, I know that you're saved and going to heaven, but you know what I have been, and then they list the little list, you know. That attitude is nowhere to be found in Scripture. In fact, the opposite is quite true, that the more you grow as a Christian, the more willing you become to serve other people. It's just true. <laughs> so the higher you think of yourself, it actually just shows your immaturity, to be honest. Because the mature Christian really becomes a servant leader. It becomes a person who loves other people and wants the best for them and does it in a way that meets them where they're at and lifts them up. And so, in fact, the Holy Spirit is not there to make you, make you a better than, than, than anybody else, Christian. The Holy Spirit's just there to make you a better than you, make me better than me. He's able to help me become better, grow me, help me to take action and to live according to God's will and God's purpose. The third mistake people make is that they skip everything that Jesus introduced about the Holy Spirit. All the who and the what and the why. And then they jump to, guess what? Spiritual gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Right? And so then what happens? A debate. <laughs> and somebody has to be wrong in a debate, right? And because both feel they're right, what happens? We fight! <laughs> and then what happens? Relationships get broken down. And the exact opposite of what Jesus prayed starts happening in Christianity. People start drifting apart because they can't agree about this matter of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'll tell you what. If we study this enough, if we study enough what the role of the Holy Spirit is, who He is, how He operates then we'll learn how the proper placement for these gifts and what their purpose is. And we'll be able to apply them in a healthy manner so as to actually achieve the purpose for which they were sent, which was the building up of the body of Christ to become more like Jesus. 
That's the purpose of the gifts of God. It's not for people to just, you know, use it for selfish purposes or even at times for manipulative purposes. Those are completely not of God. And there are people operating in the flesh. And we need to note that and we need to, make it, and we need to acknowledge that. But at the same time, we can't just chuck it all out. Because these gifts were given for our benefit, people. They were given to build us. And if we don't use them, we stay almost like, you know, anemic. They literally pump good blood into our veins. And they help us be strong. They keep our immunity as Christians strong so that we can withstand whatever is happening in life. The pressures that life throw at us. And so often Christians don't benefit, don't get to benefit from the Holy Spirit because they just don't want to. I just don't want to. And I would love us to be a community that pursues a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that allows the Holy Spirit in our midst and allow Him to lead us. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll be sharing more about that as we go on. So let's jump into our theme verse for the day, which is John 16, verse 7. This is Jesus talking. He says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? It's better for you that I go away. If I do go away, he says, then I will send the advocate to you. If I don't, he won't come. Sorry, I I, I inverted those verses. But the bottom line is Jesus is declaring to his disciples, look, it's better for you that I go away because if if I don't go, the place is filled. But if I do go, I allow place for the Holy Spirit to come, take my place, take my role, and keep walking with you. And what we saw last week was in this moment, Jesus literally said there was going to be a time when he would transfer the mantle of Emmanuel onto the Holy Spirit. The word Emmanuel means God with us. And it was used to prophesy about Jesus' coming to bring salvation to the earth. But Jesus is saying, I can't be with you always. If I go, I can, I can send the Holy Spirit. And so think about this. If you had to like, leave something in somebody out, you, know, you had to leave and you had to leave another person in charge. If you had a preference and if you could have your way, would you put somebody in charge on your behalf that is worse than you? Or at least as good as you or better than you? Which one would you choose? It's logic, right? No, you know, common sense. Um, which sometimes isn't that common. But in this case, I think it's pretty common. Like you'll leave the person that is as good as you or a person that is better than you, right? Come on, that's, that's what we would do. Jesus is saying, it's not just good for you that I go away. He's saying it's better for you that I go away. It's better for you. Here's why that is true. If Jesus would have stayed... It would have remained me and you. Jesus would have been able to walk with us like it's me and you guys. But now that the Holy Spirit has come, it's me in all of you. He is available for each and every person. Think about the Bible where where it says that people had to come find Jesus to talk to him. They had to travel, sometimes for days, to find where is Jesus now? Because he was walking all over the show ministering to people, right? And so even the guy that knew that Jesus could heal from a distance, most of the people would go, Hey, Jesus, will you please come to my daughter? She's dying. Will you come to you know, Lazarus to raise him from the dead? 
This other guy, he wasn't even a Jew. He comes and says, Jesus, I understand authority. I know that when you command something, it gets done. Because that's how the kingdom works. The kingdom is a government. It's not a religion. So if you will just command this, I know. Because if I command stuff, it gets done. If you command it, it'll get done. Even him had to come to Jesus. Even him had to go find Jesus. And then ask him, hey, will you heal my servant? Even though you didn't have to go. Imagine... That we don't have to walk anywhere to go find Jesus. That's our reality right now. Because the Holy Spirit is here with us. All you have to do is just say, Holy Spirit. And pray. It's like that. And the full power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to respond to your request made according to His will. I don't know about you, but I think that's better than having Jesus around. He is ever present with us. So in John 14, 16, Jesus again. And, and the reason why we're, we're, we're referring to Jesus most of the time when we speak about you know, the Holy Spirit is because, number one, he, he was the one who introduced G, the Holy Spirit to His disciples. And we would like Him to be the one that introduces the Holy Spirit to you guys. Because... I mean, how many of you trust Jesus? I trust Jesus, right? I kind of trust Jesus with my eternal salvation. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's <laughs> it's a pretty big deal, right? I don't know. You might think of it as, you know, for me, I want to be spending eternity with God. And I've trusted that totally entirely to Jesus. Some out there might still go like, yeah, 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 I'm a good enough person. I'll make it. Bubble, needle, it doesn't work that way. You only get to spend eternity with God if you actually accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not based on your own performance. Not based on your own good works. Just based on what Jesus did on the cross. I have entrusted, and many here, our eternal salvation to Jesus Christ. If you can trust Jesus with your eternal salvation, you can trust Him with the person He set on earth to lead you while you're still here. And so Jesus is saying in verse 16 of chapter 14 of John, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate. So yes, Jesus is described as the advocate, right? Because He pees our case before God. And He tells God the Father, this one's, dealt, this one's forgiven, this one's forgiven, this one's forgiven. And God um, accepts Jesus' testimony of us. That's why the Bible says that Jesus, you know, He's our high priest. He testifies on our behalf before the, before the Father. But He says, God will send us another advocate. And the word advocate he uses is the word paraclete and in Greek. And that word has, has a couple of meanings. One being that he comes alongside. So if you imagine you're in a legal situation and you have to defend yourself, then an advocate comes and they plead your case, right? They kind of, you know, they, they help find out what's the, what's the truth. And then they help present that in a way that makes legal sense to prove your innocence, and so they fight on your behalf to get you acquitted of whatever accusation was against you. That's kind of how our advocate. So the advocate does most of the talking, right? You know, and, and when he and, and, and he asks you a lot of questions and you go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then he goes, okay, I got it. And then he goes and he presents it with all those fancy legal terms and makes it look all nice and, you know, 
Helps you dress well so that you look innocent. <laughs> All right? That's the role of an advocate. He gives you a lot of advice. He tells you, look, your case is strong. You know, according to this and this and this, whatever, it looks like you're going to be okay. We just need to make sure that those people understand and see it this way. And then he encourages you. This is what you need to do. So to counsel, to comfort, and encourage. That's the, that's the role of the advocate. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He comes to comfort, to encourage, and to counsel you and I as believers. Because in as much as we are still saved, as much as we are saved and we have been forgiven in Christ, we still have to go through this life. And I don't know about you, but this life has many a curveball to be pitched at, at us. Many, 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 many. And I don't know about you, but often I've found that, you know, stuff just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, life doesn't play according to the rule book. That's just unfortunately the, 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 the truth. Uh, one, of my, one, of my, one of my high school teachers um, used to tell me this. I hated it at the time. And because uh, I, I, I couldn't deal with the, you know, with the, with the, the, the thought of it. But she used to tell me, life's unfair. The sooner you accept it, the better. And you know what? She didn't add the fact that if you serve a good God, He'll send you the Holy Spirit to help you navigate through that and at the end of the day come out well. But she did share half of the story because life is unfair. And to deal with all these many nuances of life that comes and life throws at us, we need a counselor. We need somebody to encourage us and to tell us, look, you're going to be okay. How many of you have been under pressure and, and, and just wanted somebody to tell you, look, it's going to work out? Uh, we were there. You know, uh, Esther and I um, used to have a, a, a business in South Africa. And look, it didn't always just go smooth sailing. In fact, there, I think there was more days that we thought this business was going to go, go under than there were days that we just felt like, oh, yeah, positive, everything's working out. And it was in those times that we needed to draw comfort from God. But the problem is many Christians saved, going to heaven, do not know how to draw comfort from God. Because they haven't learned how to interact with the Holy Spirit. And so they fall back into old patterns of coping mechanisms. Fall back into drugs. Fall back into drinking. Fall back into old relationships. Fall back into old sin patterns. Why? Because the pressure from the outside crushes them. God wants to bring you comfort in those moments so that you're able to withstand everything that you're going to face in this life. This life isn't going to be all easy and fun and games. There's real things that we need to deal with in this life. But Christianity makes sense to those who understand that the Holy Spirit was given to help you navigate through this. Draw comfort from, get counsel so that you make wise decisions and navigate through all the landmines and pitfalls. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, it says this, All praise, up till 4, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. It doesn't matter what you're going through today, what challenge you're facing right now. God is able to comfort you through the Holy Spirit. He's able to give you any comfort in any situation that will apply to your situation to help you cope. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we 
can comfort others. Again, here it shows that the purpose is not just to be self-fulfilled and to have a nice time with the Lord. The purpose is always going to be He's comforting you because He wants you to grow to the place where you will start comforting others. The more people experience the goodness of God through you, the more people will come to know Jesus Christ. The Bible says it very clear. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And you know how people experience God's goodness? Through your kindness, through the comfort that you share with them. So many times I've come in a place where I've, I, just, I just needed somebody to tell me, it's going to be okay, it's going to work out. You know? And I receive whoever it comes from. Often it's my wife, but I've received it even from my daughter, who would perceive that I am feeling stressed out. And she would come and sit on my lap and she'll give me a hug and she'll tell me, it's going to be okay, Dad. And why, you know, my little daughter of, you know, between whatever age they were at the time, seven, eight. If you're, if you understand that the Holy Spirit lives inside every Christian, even an eight-year-old, six-year-old person, even the Holy Spirit in an eight-year-old daughter can bring you comfort. Because it's not from them, it's from the Spirit inside them that they speak. But if you're able to discern it, if you're able to Man, it's just, I just wish people would be able to draw from God in those moments and not head back into old patterns that used to sustain them or seemingly sustain them but destroy them at the same time. We would have people that walk secure, become mature, and learn how to be, be disciple makers. Um, and uh, <clears throat> this, is, this is how God wants us to walk secure, stable. Like, He doesn't want us to go like this, up and down, up and down. Now we have a great, great, great time with the Lord, and then, oh, we're down in the bottom, you know, down and, 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 you know, feel like, you know, life is overwhelming us. He wants us to be sustained. He wants us to live steady. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He comes to enable you to walk steady, to walk steady. It doesn't matter what the pressure from the outside does to you. And so... The Holy Spirit brings us encouragement. And I see encouragement, like in, 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 in mechanical engineering terms, as pressure. I don't know if you know anything about hydraulics, but hydraulics is essentially using oil in pressurized systems to make movement happen that far out, outmatches any human capacity to, to move things. Like those things you always see that digs in the ground, you know, that lifts up strong, heavy things, they all make use of pressurized oil systems. Because pressure on the one side, if there's more pressure on the one side, it makes the other side move. But if there's more pressure on that side, this side moves. I'm saying this, if there is more pressure outside you than is inside you, you'll be crushed. And you'll be forced to conform to your surroundings and to your um, circumstances but if there's more pressure on the inside of you you can force your circumstances to move and to comply to what you're wanting and to um, conform to how you're seeing it the holy spirit wants to encourage us to the point where internally we're having enough pressure to make our surroundings change to make things around us change in 1 corinthians 14 there's a verse that says but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. 
A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Can you see that the purpose of these gifts are for the encouragement and the strengthening and the comfort of the church? The purpose thereof is to be a benefit to our walk with God in a real life situation so that we're able to withstand pressure. We're able to walk securely in God's call and not buckle under the the circumstances that we face, right? If we understand the correct purpose, we can apply them right. Now, I'm telling you that there were times when, you know, we, 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 we would, we would, literally go to bed at night, not be able to even speak to each other. But what we would do is we would pray in tongues. And we would ask God to help us to withstand the pressure of this financial situation. Because if we didn't, the situation was of such nature that it could have literally crushed us, let us give up, bail abandon what, what, we, what we started doing and lose everything we put in and end up in a massive amount of debt because of lease contracts, etc. that wasn't going fulfilled. And that could very easily have happened if we didn't know how to draw comfort and encouragement from the Spirit of God. And that is the purpose of these things. They're not there to weird or freak people out. They're there to help you to stand Like the Bible says, after you have done all to stand, having put on all the armor of God, then it tells you, now stand. Now stand. Do not move. doesn't matter how frightful your situation is. Do not move. How do you manage to not move when you've done everything you can and it's still not working, it's still not relenting? Well, then you just draw on the Holy Spirit. You just lean into the Holy Spirit. You start praying in tongues and you trust the Holy Spirit to break through on your behalf because you don't have any power yet. You need hydraulics. You need something that can lift stronger things. And the Holy Spirit in the Bible is likened unto oil, but if it comes and it pressurizes you on the inside, you can withstand whatever is on the outside. It is amazing. The Holy Spirit brings us counsel. He's our counselor. In Psalm 32 verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Now, it's really important to understand when you're freaking out about stuff, you cannot hear the Holy Spirit's voice. It doesn't matter whether it's a a business transaction or whether it's a test or exam. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship that is is not well. doesn't matter what you're doing. If you freak out, you can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can't get His counsel about how and what you need to do in a particular situation. That's why it's so important to be able to get your steadiness back, to regain your peace, so that you can hear what He says. Many times, many, many, many times, we would sit and we would pray and we would pray, and then we would become quiet, having, having felt that God is having received the comfort of God and and having received once again a fresh realization that yes, He's going to help us. We would say, Lord, what now? And then we would tell each other, all right, let's go crunch the numbers. 
Let's go do the work. Let's go see what the impact of this is. Let's go make sure we know exactly what is needed so that we're not working with mythical figures or whatnot. And we would go and we'd, we'd do the work. We would, we, would, we would work out, do the calculations, and we would realize, okay, this is the number we need. And then we would go, Lord, help us with this. And I tell you so many times, time after time after time after time, you could ask my wife, <laughs> that is what would happen. But also, often, what would happen is, we would do the numbers and then we would realize, oh my goodness, what we thought was this big a mountain that we needed to climb was actually a wall that we could probably do with a little, a little maneuvering. We realized that Man, we were actually acting and reacting because of the fear of the unknown. And when we just followed the Holy Spirit's advice to figure that out, we realized, oh, well, it ain't that big. We can do this. But it all comes down to hearing and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and to counsel you. And so the benefit of just learning how to walk with the Holy Spirit just far outweighs any fear that we might have of, you know, what other people have wrongly represented about him. In Psalm, um, sorry, in John 16, verse 13, Jesus again declares, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. And so here's why we can have confidence to trust the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will not tell you anything that has not yet been declared. You can take the Bible because that is the most basic way that the Holy Spirit speaks to Christians. He reminds you of Scripture. And so if you've never read Scripture, then an unfortunate situation you find yourself in is that the Holy Spirit has nothing to remind you of. Right? So that's why it's so important to be regular in the Bible. Because the more regular you are in the Bible, the more the Holy Spirit has to draw on to bring you the comfort, the encouragement, and the counsel. But He reminds us of what has been declared, and then in alignment with that, He declares to us what's going to happen in the future. He doesn't deviate from the Scripture when it comes to what is going to come. He stays consistent with it. And so whenever you heard somebody say something like, you know, God told me, you know, to, um, God told me to, um, you know, steal the money. Or God told me to, you know, take the drug to try and reach my friend because, you know, God wants to reach my friend. And for me to be able to reach my friend, I had to do drugs with him. Man, that's not God. That was you. Not wanting to stand and rather wanting to compromise and making it look like, oh no, you followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit will not lead you into sin. He will not ask you to um, you know, do something that is clearly declared in Scripture not to, be, not to be good, not to be right, not to be according to God's will. And so sometimes people will say, well, you know what, I, I'm so, this is, I can't help this. This is just how I was made. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. If you find yourself wanting to prove that you can act a certain way, and you think, you think that now you have in your relationship with God, you know, you've cleared it up with the big man. Like, it's okay for me to do it this way. 
you've not cleared it up with the big man. There's another big man. He's smaller than the big, big man. But he also sometimes portrays himself as the big man. The Bible calls it an angel of light. And he can let us think often that it's the Holy Spirit leading us, where it's not in fact him. Because the Scripture is the parameter. It's the guardrails that the Holy Spirit uses to guide us with. And he will stay consistent with that. The counsel of the Holy Spirit will always be consistent with Scripture. He will never contradict it because He is one with the Father. He's one with Jesus. But that also makes it possible for us to really trust Him. Really, really trust Him. In John 14, 26, the Bible says, But the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. Um, So where the enemy likes to remind you of your failures and your past, the Holy Spirit likes to remind you of your true identity in Jesus and of the salvation by grace that that you've received. The last thing I want to bring to our attention that the Holy Spirit does is that the Holy Spirit brings conviction. Like I said in the beginning, He was the one who convinced you to give your life to Christ. And in John John 16 verse 8, Um, It says that when He comes, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And it's important to note that the conviction part is not the same way we have in criminal court where you got convicted and now follows punishment. No, in fact, it's different. This conviction about something, but there is also a pointing to where the punishment has already been paid. Immediately the Holy Spirit will remind you that this has been paid for because He not only convicts us of our sin, He also convicts us of our righteousness at the same time. So it means that if you've repented and given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit will continue to remind you where your life does not line up with Christ's character and nature, character rather, but then it is also to say because you're a child of God, this is where you need to grow to. This is, where we, this is who you are in spirit. I need you to become this in flesh. And so the Holy Spirit wants us to, 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 to be convicted of our sonship. He wants us to be secure in our salvation. Not doubting next week whether I need to give my life to Jesus again this week. No. He wants you to walk steady in your conviction of being a son of God. And then the third thing He convicts us is of judgment. And for each and one of us, that means to make us we want to be like real intentional about other people getting to know Jesus. Why? Because there is a pending judgment. And that judgment won't apply to us in terms of whether we go to heaven or hell because that's been settled. But the fact is that many of our people that we know still haven't decided to follow Jesus. And at the same time as He convicts us of our sin and our identity, our righteousness, at the very same time He's telling us, guys, we need to go out. We need to tell people about God's love for them so that they too might come to repentance of their sin and step into their identity as being righteous. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He brings conviction. But listen to what 2 Corinthians 3 verse 14 and 17 says. It says, 17 and 18 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. See how he puts each role there? Be with you all. And then he says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Sometimes things get lost in how you, how you nuance a sentence. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit. What if I said to you that now the Lord is the Spirit? See, because Jesus is Lord, and when He walked on earth, He became the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But Jesus is saying, hey guys, you need to follow the Holy Spirit as if He is Lord. Because now, right here with us, the Lord is the Spirit. Now where He is, there is freedom. And freedom doesn't, you know, it's not freedom to do any crazy thing. It's freedom from sin. So where the Spirit of God comes and takes governance, you become free of anything that holds you. Any sin pattern, any addiction, any um, uh, 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 attitude thing that you just can't draw. Where the Spirit of God comes and takes control, He changes you. You get become free of that. And then it says, We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. What he's saying is that as we look to Christ, the Holy Spirit and His job is to make us reflect Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to make us become mature as Christians. He wants us to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. And then it says, this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jesus have appointed the Holy Spirit, to be our leader on earth. And He wants us to take spiritual leadership and guidance from the Holy Spirit. My hope today is for us, as we go on this journey, talk about who's the Holy Spirit, what's the role of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I want you to encourage you to bring everybody who have questions and come and, and, and hear these, these words because this is not something that we want for you as a church. This is something that Jesus wanted for all His disciples. And if you count yourself one, then this is for you. This is for you. This kind of life is for you. This kind of victorious life is for you. But it doesn't just come automatically. It doesn't just come by virtue of the fact that you find yourself in a particular place. You have to find yourself in a particular disposition towards Him. Your heart needs to be willing to acknowledge Him as Lord and to invite Him to lead you. You need to ask Him to come and be your Lord, be your leader. If you will, He will come. We're going to talk about that next week. But today I want to pray for, for two groups of people. First and foremost, none of this can happen until you submit to Jesus Christ. Until you recognize that your works are of no use for your eternal salvation until you have accepted the one work, the perfect work that Jesus did on the cross. One of the foundations of our faith is that we need to repent of works that leads to death. And that's not just sin, that's every good work before we've become born again. Because no good work can make you good enough to be accepted by God. And we need to have faith in God faith in that Jesus died for the cross for us and that based on that sacrifice my belief in it is what gains me entrance into God's family 
That's the entry. That's how all this starts. That's how the Holy Spirit can come and be a part of your life in the first place. So I want us to stand and uh, stand real quick and let's start praying for one another as we have an opportunity to respond to this. If you have, if you have never made a decision to submit your life to Jesus and to declare publicly that you believe in what He did on the cross, I want to give you an opportunity to do, to do that today. If you want to say, Jesus, I believe what you did for me and I believe that based on what you did for me, if I believe in it, I can become your child. If that's you right there, just show me. Just tell me that's me. I want to say to God that I believe in what Jesus did. Thank you. I see those hands. I see you making that decision today. Why don't we pray a prayer with these amazing people today? Let's all, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. It's called a, 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 a declaration. You, you're declaring your faith. We're all going to pray this out loud with you. And today you're going to, what the Bible says, be born again. You're going to become a child of God. Let's all pray. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned and that I have been separated from You and that none of my good works can save me. But I believe today that Jesus died on the cross for me and He paid my penalty on my behalf so I don't have to pay it. I believe in You, Jesus, and I thank You today that you save me and you make heaven my home and that I can call myself a child of God from today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with sincerity, the Bible declares over you that the Spirit of God will testify with your spirit that you have become a child of God. And from now on, you no longer have to look at yourself as being a sinner but you can look at yourself as being a child of God who have been given a righteous nature. That even if you do commit a sin, it no longer defines you because you have been saved by the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I want to ask each and every one of you, where are you at with regard to your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Where are you at with regard to allowing the Lord who is the Spirit to lead you and guide you here on earth, to empower you to do His work? Are you kind of shunning it? Are you kind of ignoring it? Are you trying to kind of just act like it's not there? Or, or have you engaged it and have you misapplied it, made it about you, made it just about making you feel better about yourself and, and not really understanding that He wants to fill you so that you can be His agent of change in other people's lives? Where are you at? And, and will you take a step, either from the left or the right, to the center? You're with us today, to, where you acknowledge who the Holy Spirit is, what His role is, and, and accept His work in your life to lead you into all truth and to help you to become like Jesus Christ. If you're willing to just take steps closer to the Holy Spirit today, We'll talk more about that, what it means during the rest of this series. But if, if today you want to just declare, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to change my perspective. I'm willing to step closer to you. Will you just raise your hand and acknowledge that to Him?
and invite the Holy Spirit to just walk with you and journey with you. Father God, you see every hand that is going up. You see every heart that is opening themselves to be led by you, to be empowered by you. And Father, I pray in this week as, 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 as you walk with them, that you'll remind them, Lord God, of these scriptures. And that you'll remind them, Lord God, that you're a good Father that will not give anything other than the Holy Spirit when we ask that you give us the Holy Spirit. That we can trust you and we can trust the Holy Spirit. Walk with us this week, Father, and prepare our hearts for next week as we step into just receiving more of you and allowing you to come and fill us. Lord, I just thank you for each person that is here. Father God, may you bless them. May you bless their walk with you. And Lord, make you truly, truly bring change to each and every one of us so that we will look and act more like Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, guys. This is the start of a new journey for us as we just draw closer to God. And I want to encourage you as we move forward to allow the scriptures to to define for you what is right and acceptable and not culture, things that you've heard, things that you've heard people say do wrong maybe. Let us allow the Bible to lead us because that is the bread of our life and it will surely sustain us and it will surely grow us.